Hey CEO, I have an important question for you today. Are you running your business or is your business running you? If it's time to get your business in order so you can fully step into your role as a confident, in-control CEO, then I want to invite you to this advanced training series that I'm hosting live on May 20th through May 24th. We're calling it the 90 Day CEO Sustainable Success Series. And over these four days, we're gonna break down our research-backed, client-proven process to help you sustainably scale your business without hustling, without overworking, and without burnout. If you've been winging it in your business, hoping that you'll eventually get caught up and telling everyone in your life that when things calm down, you'll be a real functioning human again, this series is especially for you so that you can reclaim your life as you scale up your business. All you have to do is head over to theceocollective.com slash success and sign up. We can't wait to see you there. I have a CEO confession. I've gotten a little bit lazy in my business. Let me explain. So after the last decade of growing this business, once it finally got to the point several years ago where I was paying myself a great salary and everything was incredibly consistent and predictable, the last few years, especially since my youngest child, Mitchell, was born, I have been hesitant to really do something new. What if I break my business? What if I rock the boat too much? What if I made a huge mistake and I suddenly couldn't pay my mortgage and support my family? Well, in today's episode, I'm taking you behind the scenes and sharing a conversation that I had with my online mastermind about how I'm breaking out of my comfort zone, why I invested $30,000 into my own leadership coach, and how I have found clarity on what's next for my business. Are you ready to grow from solopreneur to CEO? Well, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Rachel Cook, and I've spent the last decade helping women entrepreneurs start and scale service-based businesses. If you're serious about building a sustainable business, then it's time to put the strategy, systems, and support in place to make it happen. Join me every week for candid conversations about stepping into your role as CEO, the hard lessons learned along the way, and practical, profitable strategies to grow a sustainable business without all the hustle and burnout. Before we begin this episode, I want to just take a moment to express my gratitude. You and thousands of other women entrepreneurs just like you tune in to this show every single week. And I absolutely love hearing from you. So that's why I want to take just a moment for a listener shout out. India Jackson posted on Apple Podcasts as a review, holy smokes. So I'm new to Rachel's podcast and kicked off my listening with her three-part podcast series on Get More Clients. And wow, so much value, including real actionable strategy. I don't even understand how that is possible, but I learned more in three podcasts than I did in my entire undergrad program. This podcast is the bomb. I wish I knew about it sooner. Thank you so much, India. I love hearing those aha moments. So if you have had an aha moment from the Promote Yourself to CEO show, I would love for you to share with me by taking a moment to just leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. That just helps me get the show out to more amazing women entrepreneurs just like you. Okay, let's get into today's show. 
Okay, today's episode is very special and different because I don't usually share with you call recordings from my online mastermind program, Sweet Spot Strategy. But this call was something special and I knew that it was something I wanted to share with my larger audience. So a few months ago, I asked my Sweet Spot Strategy members to share with me some of the biggest lessons that they've learned over 2019. And I was really trying to get them to share with me and get them to reflect on how far they have come and what big steps they have taken towards achieving their business goals. And some of their comments were amazing. So Veronica said that her number one lesson learned is patience. It always doesn't come on her timeline, but it doesn't mean I don't show up and do the work. Deborah said, hiring help isn't as scary as I thought and will pay off sooner than I anticipated. Zuldis said, my biggest lesson learned is strategic partnerships and structured referrals accelerate her business. Marcia said, I learned that if I focus on the goals I set and take action, it will happen. These types of things are just amazing to me. Hearing people sharing, like Maria Inez said, that planning ahead of time has given her the time to be more involved in networking, and that has paid off. These types of lessons learned are so valuable. And I find that especially people wired like I am who are always forward thinking, always thinking of the next big thing, we don't always take the time to pause and reflect. We don't always take the time to really look at where we have started, how far we have come, what is getting in our way. And without this little bit of self-reflection, we find ourselves playing small. And that is where I found myself at the beginning of the year. Actually, I started feeling this way probably more than a year ago. I started feeling like, okay, I'm not really giving 100% to my business. Yes, everything was going great. My clients were getting amazing results. I was working the 25-hour work week that I've shared with you all that I work. But I was starting to feel a little bit disconnected. I had lost my vision. I had lost my focus. And I was just not really 100% excited about my business anymore. So what I'm going to share with you today in this call are some journaling questions that my own coach shared with me. My coach is Tara Newman. I highly recommend checking out her podcast, The Bold Leadership Revolution. But I joined her mastermind after being good friends with her and actually just being um, business BFFs and mastermind buddies. We went to Philadelphia back in, uh, I think it was September of the end of 2018, and had a mastermind weekend, just the two of us. And at that time, she was working on putting together her mastermind program. And I basically told her exactly what I wanted and signed up right away, because I knew she was someone who was going to push me out of my comfort zone. And that was where I was stuck. I was stuck in my comfort zone. I was stuck with things that I knew worked. And I was very nervous and afraid to rock the boat. And if you are like me, you have a lot resting on your shoulders. I mean, I'm the sole breadwinner for my family. That means my husband is a stay-at-home dad and I pay every single bill that we have to handle. I've got to make sure that we have not only revenue coming in for the business, but enough that I can pay myself what we need to pay ourselves. The 
pressure starts to really build. And I think, especially since Jameson left his job as a teacher years ago, um, the pressure had built to the point where I was really limiting myself and really holding myself back from taking any big, bold actions because I was so afraid of what would happen. What if I fucked it all up? What if I absolutely messed up? So in this recording, in this call that I hosted for my Sweet Spot Strategy members, you're going to hear some of these questions that Tara gave me to journal on, some of the questions I started asking myself. And if you have been feeling like you were stuck in a rut or like you're playing small or like you know that you have so much more to offer and you've just been holding yourself back, I encourage you to listen in and take some time with these questions. I think you'll find them incredibly valuable. A lot of you know that last year um, was an interesting year behind the scenes in my business. Um, 2017 going into 2018 was the first year my youngest child was in preschool. And this year, um, 2018, 2019 is his first year in kindergarten, which for our family puts us squarely into a new stage of life, a stage of life where we're no longer having babies. Um, We no longer have toddlers or preschoolers. Now we are solidly in the stage of having school age children. And I think at the time that we were transitioning here, there was a lot of uncertainty on my part as far as, is this our last child? Are we done? Um, Not being sure what things would look like for us, for the business, et cetera. Um, There was a lot of navigating what my life was going to look like, honestly, with all three kids in school. Um, And just, it felt like a big transition point. And I've been very gentle with myself trying to navigate through that. So the last year or two, I've been honestly feeling like I had stepped into a bigger container, but I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do with it. I wasn't sure where I was going and I couldn't see beyond where I already was. Um, And the other side of that too is I had gotten really, really comfortable. And this is something that um, some of you may relate to this. Some of you may be thinking, okay, I just want to get to the part where I feel really, really comfortable. But I had gotten really comfortable in that my business is super steady, um, very predictable. The systems are running the business. The team is locked in and in sync. They all are working together Like everything is working beautifully. And the hard part about having such a um, consistency there, um, so much um, working, is you start to get afraid of what if you break it? What if you decide to change? Or what if something um, changes for you and then you break your business or everything that had gotten you to where you are um, stops working? So I honestly, even though I was super comfortable, I also had a lot of fears popping up over the last year or two um, around what do I really want? And I think this is something that we have to ask ourselves every once in a while. Um, This is actually a really challenging question for me to still have perfect clarity on. And I would love to hear from you guys, like answer this question. What do you really want for your business? Um, do you know what you really want for your business? As many of you know, because you've been around, around my world for a while, you know that, you know, when I started this business, I wanted to replace my former corporate salary. I wanted to have the flexibility to have my family. 
I wanted to only work with clients I truly loved and who was doing work that I believed in. So I was no longer going to work with the industrial pump manufacturers or the um, <clears throat> developers or anything in, in those different worlds, which yes, I had worked in all those crazy things, but I wanted to work with people I loved, make great money, work the hours I wanted so that I could have flexibility and freedom. And that was my first goal. That was my first goal in my business was just to take care of those three core things. And what's interesting is once I got there, I just got super, super comfortable there. And I started to lose a little bit of my drive. And I'm wondering if any of you have also felt this, where you get to a point where things are working well enough, or you get to a point where you're comfortable enough, where you're not really sure what's next. You don't have anything external motivating you um, and you're just not exactly sure what else you should be doing other than kind of maintaining your new status quo. And for the first few years of my business, there was a little bit of up level things, external things that were motivating me, right? Like I, I wanted to get that income. I wanted to buy the house and then we wanted to have Jameson retire. But once we accomplished all those things, we got super comfortable and Comfort is great. I think this is something that a lot of us want, especially women um, that I talk to who are in the stage of life where I have been, where you're maybe raising kids or you're trying to take care of yourself. You're trying to make sure you can step in and care for family if you need to. You can just have a comfortable life. Um, and that's fine. I think that's awesome for so many people. But over the last couple of years, I started having this feeling like, okay, now I've been comfortable for a few years. Things have been working and running really smoothly. I don't want to leave that behind, but there's something bubbling up inside of me, and I wasn't exactly sure what that is. So over the last um, probably six months, I've been working with my own leadership coach. I invested around 30K to work with a coach this year. Um, to push me way out of my comfort zone. And I knew it was time to find a coach when, again, I was just getting really comfortable. And so I spent about a year, by the way, looking for this coach because I knew I was looking for something specific. I knew I was looking for somebody who would push me out of my comfort zone, but who I would be safe with. And I think any of you, we had a conversation. Um, Kwanisha asked something about you know my adrenal fatigue recovery. Um, it is very important to me that women are in environments where they feel safe. And that's for myself too. Like coming from a, a life that included a bit of trauma as a child, like having somebody who I feel safe being super vulnerable with was really important. And so that's one reason it took me a while to find a coach who I felt safe with, who I felt like I could really show all of the vulnerability, all of the fears, um, all of the limiting beliefs and have them challenge me, but in, in a very loving, you know, safe container. Um, and it took me a while because a lot of the coaches I looked at, I realized I didn't feel safe and that was a big turnoff for me. So I wanted to share with you guys and come on and share with you some of the things that I have been asked and asking myself. Um, I am not typically a super, like, I'm, I'm not like a journaler. Um, I don't do a, t I feel like I don't do a ton of mindset work because I'm, I've always been wired to be the type of person who could just 
put their head down and just go. Like I am definitely a workhorse. I definitely like to get things done. Um, and as I've been moving through this, I thought this might be helpful because I attract a lot of women who are similarly wired to me, who are really good at doing the things, really good at putting the head down and going, going, going. But sometimes we need that reality check, right? Like what are we really working towards? Are we 100% in alignment? And if we feel like we're not, or we feel like in my case, we have entered a new stage of life or a new stage of business, or we're just being called to show up a little bit differently, um, what types of questions do you need to ask yourself so that you can start getting that clarity? Now, I can tell you this clarity for me is still not 100% crystal clear. Like I'm still trying to figure out where I'm going. Um, but what I do know is I'm taking a lot of stronger stands for what I believe in and for who I'm here to lead. And those of you who are on the call with me, like Megan, Cassandra, um, Quanisha, Mindy, like all the women on the call, like who are, who are on this live with me, you are the type of women who I am here to lead. I'm here to lead ambitious women, but not in a way that is filled with hustle and burnout, right? I'm here to help ambitious women recreate the wheel, the world that we live in, recreate the economy that we live in, recreate the way business and life is done from the ground up because changing, changing the way things are done from within broken systems is incredibly hard. So my thought is always, if the system is broken, if women can't create the freedom that they want, the flexibility they want, the income they want, the impact they want within the typical um, job structure, but they can as entrepreneurs, okay, let's leave the broken system. Let's go into a new system. But let's be really intentional about what we're doing um, and really clear about the type of new economy we are building together. So here's something I've been asking myself, and I want to hear from you all. Um, I'm going to share with you guys the questions that my coach has been asking me that I've been journaling on, that I am now, that I've had some time to process this, I am bringing this forward into my message more. If you guys have been following me on Instagram, um, something I started doing at the end of January was I challenged myself to 100 bold um, posts on Instagram. And this was a message, you know, something my coach wanted me to do because I was just playing a little too safe and not sharing 100% of what I believe and what I stand for. So I felt like that was a platform I could start with is 100 brave, bold conversations, posts over on Instagram. Um, and I hope this is inspiring to you. So I'd love to hear from you guys um, what you think of these things. So the first question that I was asked was, what do you stand for? What do you stand for? And I think this is such a tough question because um, if someone asks you, like, what do you stand for? It's easy to go, like, all over the place, <laughs> right? Like, I stand for, um, you know, women women's uh, rights and women having control over their own bodies and women getting paid equal pay. I can stand for all of those different things. But I need to narrow my focus into what do, what do I stand for as a as a leader in this particular space. So what is my space? First of all, I have to define that. So for me, I used to think it was just entrepreneurship and small business ownership. But what I realize now is it's not just entrepreneurship and small business. It's not just marketing. It's not just sales. Um, it's women's leadership. That's really the space I'm in is in women's leadership. 
Jameson, don't watch this, babe. You're, you're not here for this. You're the man in the room. <laughs> I just saw my husband jump on. Um, so knowing that I'm in the space of women's leadership and the vehicle for which we are leading our communities, the vehicle for which we are leading our families, the vehicle for which we're making our impact is a business. That's my space. That's where I'm looking. So what do I stand for? And I'll share these with you. I wrote out, let's see, I'm at nine things I stand for. And there's probably a lot more, but I've been working on this. And I want to hear from you. Like, think about your space that you're focused on. What do you stand for? What is the message that you need to bring to the world that you want people to know? This is what you value and this is what you're working to fix or change or make better. So for me first, um, I stand for women entrepreneurs stepping into the role of CEO so that they can make the impact they were meant to make. Is there a point once your needs are met when you have to ask yourself, what else is driving you? What else is moving you forward. There comes a point where income isn't enough, right? And this is what I'm talking about. The last couple of years have been for me, like income. I'm not somebody who's going to go. I don't care about private jets. I don't care about um, fancy cars. I don't care about wearing designer clothes. Like none of that is my value system. So once your needs are met, once your income goals are met, what's next? It's impact, right? So then we have to, um, ask ourselves, what does that impact look like? If income is no longer the only reason you're running your business, if income's not the only reason you're showing up, what does impact mean? Um, So I personally get frustrated when I see women who are so freaking talented and so smart continue to play small because they haven't defined what that impact looks like for them. And because they haven't defined what impact looks like for them, they hold back and they keep their message kind of in a small little bubble and they don't reach the people they really could reach. So for me, when I think about what does my impact look like, I have to ask myself, does this mean spreading wide and getting in, in front of as many women as possible? I mean, there's literally millions and millions of women owned businesses out there. Is impact about being wide and spreading wide? Is it about going deep and just working super closely with certain types of women-owned businesses? Or is it somewhere in the middle? What does that impact look like? And this is something I'm still answering for myself, 100%. Um, I can tell you, though, that I'm seeing my shift. My, my shift is coming to reaching more people. Just because of the stage I'm at in my business now, I feel like I'm, I'm ready to get out there and reach more people. So for me, impact is going to be a bit more about reach. So another thing I stand for, women making real money, not settling for less than they deserve, closing the wage gap. So I just read these um, stats, and I'll post a link in. Um, in average, women entrepreneurs are making 28% less than men running the same type of business sad that is sad right like if we were to compare a woman nutritionist versus a male nutritionist or a woman coach versus a man coach um in general we're taking like a 28 percent pay cut across the board what is happening there why is that happening um the more research and i've i've been digging deep into the numbers because i'm getting so fired up about this right now 
Um, 70% of women entrepreneurs are making less than $25,000 a year of annual revenue, gross revenue, top line. That doesn't include expenses. That doesn't include taxes. That doesn't include what you pay yourself. That's not profit. That's revenue. That's all that's coming into them is 70% of women making less than $25,000 a year. Only 12% are breaking six figures. Only 2% are breaking seven figures. Of all of the revenue being generated by small businesses in the U.S. right now, women-owned businesses, even though we have nearly 40% of small businesses right now, even though we own nearly 40% of small businesses, are bringing in about 4% of the revenues. What? Like, isn't this, doesn't this make you upset? It makes me very upset because it tells me there's something still happening where women aren't building businesses at the level that we could. We aren't getting the impact that we could really make. And this is one of those things where, yes, we're not in it just for the money, but the dollars are a way to measure impact. It's a way to measure how many people you're reaching and serving. So this is something that's really making me think like, what are the gaps here? Is it valuing time and energy, making sure that you are properly priced for profits? For me, I had to start looking at where are the energy leaks? Where am I over delivering or where am I not priced for profits? Where am I continuing to give and give and give and give, but not being paid or compensated for that time or experience or expertise? Um, Chances are we all have those gaps Chances are there's areas where you're underpriced. I had a whole conversation with my mastermind about um, what is the cost of a VIP day right now. If I talk to my women business owner friends, it's coming in anywhere from $2,500, $5,000. But if I go ask the men counterparts what their VIP days suddenly are, it's $10,000, $15,000 for a day for someone with similar experience and expertise. So I'm really questioning pricing right now. I'm really looking where are the leaks here in the pricing? Where are we need to adjust pricing? Um, what else is causing women to not make as much? I, aside from the pricing, aside from, you know, imbalance and, and energetics here, um, money systems. Money systems seem to be a big challenge. I, I have talked to a lot of women who don't know how much they made or they don't know what their expenses are or they don't know what their profit margin is. Um, and because they feel disempowered with their money, they're not able to build the business they really want to build. So this is something that is firing me up and I want to see more women make real money. And you guys are going to hear me talk about this a lot more, um, about making real money, about increasing your prices. Um, in fact, I would have to say a lot of the women I've been talking to recently, I've been like, when I hear their pricing, um, it's, it's almost been like consistently me saying, you need to double your prices. You need to double your prices. Us undervaluing ourselves is not helping anybody. So look at your pricing. Look at where your prices um, are not energetically the same as what you are delivering. If there's things you're over delivering, how do we bring that back into balance? How do we make sure that you have the systems in place so that you are making real money? Um, So again, what do I stand for? Women having a support system in business and at home. I have yet to read an article by a man in leadership, um, a male executive, a male CEO, a male founder, where they have asked, how do you do it all? 
it's not asked of men. You know why it's not asked of men? Because it's no big deal for them to go hire a housekeeper. It's no big deal for them to have a nanny if they're a single dad or a divorced dad. It's no big deal for them to have someone else cut the grass. It's no big deal for them to do these things. But for some reason, women feel like we have to do all the things. And I call BS on that. So both in business and at home, I think we just need to be proud about the fact that when you own a business, you can hire other people. I'm incredibly proud of the fact that owning a business, I have hired and pay out thousands of dollars a month to women that supports their families. I love that there are people who help me run our day-to-day life and that whatever it is it costs for them to come clean our house or whatever, it's a it contributes to them. It contributes to them being able to put food on the table. And that's amazing, right? So by me running this business, I now have five other families that I'm regularly able to contribute to. And that's incredible impact to me. That feels amazing. So I look for opportunities to hire people, to get support. So I'm, ha- I'm taking a stand for women having support. I'm taking a stand for you don't have to do it all by yourself. And this includes your business. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, kind of glossing over what it really takes to run a business right now. And I'd love to hear from you guys because I see a lot of posts where it seems like it's just this one person that's magically running this huge business by themselves and they don't acknowledge their team at all. In fact, I have really gotten upset at some of these people Um, at the way they portray their business as if it's a a one-person show when I happen to know that behind the scenes there's like 10 people pulling that off. And when there's that big of a disparity, then people who are in the earlier stages sit there and wonder, why can't I do all the things that so-and-so did, right? Well, it's because they have a huge team. They're just not telling you they have the team. They have the support at home. They're just not talking about the fact that they have support at home. So I want to I show that this is part of it. Um, and that's something I'm taking a stand for. It's okay to ask for help. Um, don't sit in resentment with your family because you're hoping they're going to pick up the slack if you're not willing to talk about it with them. I posted um, somebody, a lot of people asked me, how do I get my husband to support me and support my dreams and support the business? And I'm like, we have conversations about it. I don't ask him to read my mind. I tried the being resentful that he didn't understand why I was frustrated. And then I realized that was stupid and that was on me. I needed to say, hey, I need you to unload the dishwasher, right? Um, so I think that's huge. We all need to be talking more about this. What it takes is a team. It takes a team to raise a family. It takes a team to raise a business. Same thing. What else am I taking a stand for? Um, Women putting themselves on their to-do list. And I'm taking a massive stand for this. And you guys know that I talk about self-care quite often, but I haven't always shared. I've shared with you all a lot, quite a bit about why self-care is on the to-do list, but I don't always share with the public why self-care is so important um, or what it really means. So I've been sharing a little bit more about like, hey, this has to be on the to-do list because I, I have shared, I literally just went to the dentist and found out my teeth grinding has gotten really, really bad. I didn't realize it was so bad that I broke a tooth. And this is why I've got to talk about, hey, you need to actively manage your stress. Um, we need to actively take care of ourselves. We have to put ourselves on our to-do list. That also means you have to have fierce boundaries. 
Um, and this is something I write down every day. Um, I've been doing the start today journal by Rachel Hollis and it's like, write down 10 dreams I made happen. And every day I write down, I fiercely protect my time and energy. Every single day I write down, I fiercely protect my time and energy. So every single day I'm looking at where do I need to protect my time and energy? And I've realized that these are areas, even though, again, I, sometimes you teach what you most need to learn. Um, and this is something that I'm constantly asking myself today. Am I fiercely protecting my time and energy? I'll look at my calendar next week. Am I fiercely protecting my time and energy? And because I'm asking myself all the time, I'm, I'm seeing where I'm not being in alignment. So each time I'm taking a stand for one of these things that I'm sharing with you, um, I'm also going through and like auditing my life and auditing my business. So where are the gaps? Where are the areas where I'm not fiercely protecting my time and energy? One of them was um, apps on my phone, like Instagram and Facebook apps on my phone. I realized if you guys don't know this, you can actually look at the time tracking thing on your phone and see how many hours you're, you're on apps on your phone. And it, it was telling me 40 hours a week, yeah, a week, um, between Instagram and Facebook and some other little things. And I was like, what? But I don't work that much. And I realized, no, but I was waking up every morning with my phone in my hand for an hour and a half. And then at lunch, I was scrolling through it. And then at night, I was scrolling through it. And you don't realize how much that time is being eaten away. And so I was like, this is, take, this is not me fiercely protecting my time and energy. This is me letting my time and energy get slowly siphoned off. And I'm not paying attention. So I deleted stuff off my phone. Um, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, what are you taking a stand for? And let's not just talk about it. Like, how can we do an audit of what is getting in the way? I also did an audit of where do I need to ask my team to step in? Where do we need to change things up in the business so I can more fiercely protect my time and energy? Okay. Um, the next thing I am taking a, a stand for, and I, I'm loving your feedback here. So thank you guys so much. Um, one of the things that I'm taking a stand for is women taking 100% responsibility for their actions, their mindset, and their results. And for me, this also means not being codependent or enabling with your clients. Now, some of you know this part of my history. Some of you don't. Um, I am an adult child of alcoholics, two parents who are alcoholics, plus my mom is, is fully disabled. Um, and I've spent the better part of my adulthood unraveling the trauma of growing up with a fully disabled mother and two alcoholic parents. And for me, um, if you are familiar with that whole world, not everybody is, but I, I somehow find a lot of people understand this stuff when I start talking about it. Um, I am very much the hero child, which means I'm the child that everyone in my family looked to to hold things together, to fix things, to make things happen, to take care of things. Um, and it also meant I'm really good at doing that in, uh, for other people in my life, even if they didn't come from that kind of dysfunction. So I've had to go back into some therapy around this. Like I thought I had handled a lot of this stuff. And then I realized, no. There are areas where I'm, I'm acting codependent. I'm acting like the hero. I'm acting like the fixer and it's not my responsibility. <clears throat> so this is a big lesson for me. 
And it might be a little TMI for some of you. Some of you will really understand this. But what I want to share is there's a difference between empowering others and enabling others. And it's such a fine line. And I can tell when I am crossing that line towards enabling because when I'm empowering others, I'm excited, I'm fired up, I'm feeling really good about myself, I'm feeling really good about my work. I can see them because they are empowered getting where they want to go. But when I switch over to enabling mode, then that is where like the codependent side of me has kicked in and is now trying to force things or trying to fix things or trying to take things on that aren't my responsibility. So finding that balance is really key for me. And this is probably going to be a life journey that I will have to um, just always work on. And admittedly, whenever there's stuff going on in my life that pulls me into that, it's so hard to get out of it again. So a couple of years ago, we went through a period in my family here where Jameson was really struggling with his depression um, to the point where I don't think we realized when we were in it how, how bad it had gotten. And that was something that made me realize once we got to the other side of it, whoa, I really stepped into some bad codependent behaviors in life and in business with him, with my parents, with my siblings. Um, in my business and I needed to, I needed to clean things up and get back to where I can empower people, but not enable people. So for me, this means I have to take 100% responsibility for that and find what are the cues for me? What are the triggers for me? What are the, um, signs that I'm doing this? I have to have conversations with people so they can also hold me accountable and help me see when I'm, I'm defaulting to that. Um, because anybody who's grown up in that situation, if you have grown up in codependent relationships or families or dysfunctional things like that, um, this is all about how you feel you should get love, right? So if I'm feeling like the only way people can love and appreciate me is by me bending over backwards and being a doormat and me always having to take on their stuff, it's not a great situation. So I'm standing for more of that, for taking 100% responsibility for myself and encouraging others to see where we've blurred the line between being someone who's here to empower others, being someone who's here to empower women, and being some, someone who's enabling people. Um, that also means, let's see, in business, meaning you don't have to bend over backwards and be a doormat. And I feel this is something, again, that something about being a woman, it's, it's, I don't see this as much in men. A lot of the women I talk to feel like when they make an offer, when they are working with somebody, that they just have to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. Um, and it, it suddenly becomes not just scope creep, but we don't know how to stop, right? It's like we, we just don't know how to rein things back in and create clear containers. And I was reading the Brene um, Brown book. Um, what is it called? Daring Leadership, something like that. And she says, um, clear is kind. Clear is kind. And I was like, this is what I needed to hear because I needed to hear that clear boundaries are kind. Clear containers in your business are kind. Um, not only for the people you're serving, but for yourself. So clear is kind, taking 100% responsibility, not bending over backwards and being a doormat, um, believing your offer is, is valuable 
and can stand on its own. So that comes to clear containers. Um, not becoming codependent on others to make decisions for you. Not being codependent on your coach or your mentor or your business BFFs or whatever else. Like not trying to crowdsource decision making. This is something I see a lot from people who are afraid they're going to mess it up or not handle things the right way. Um, are they just confused and unsure of what to do? But I find that decision making is a, it's a muscle you have to build and it only really gets built if you are out there making decisions on your own. If you're constantly having to ask for affirmation that that's the right decision, then you never learn how to make the decision yourself, right? So if I want to teach my kids how to eat healthy, um, I have to give them the opportunity to make those choices. I can't constantly force those choices on them. If I want them to learn how to um, study for a test or get their homework done, yes, I can teach them tools and I can teach them strategies, but at the end of the day, like they've got to learn to do the thing. They've got to make the decision to do the work. So same thing applies here, taking 100% responsibility. And for me, this also comes down to having clear mission and values to help you make decisions. So this is why I'm asking myself, and I encourage you guys, like, what do you stand for? Because now that I know I stand for 100% responsibility 100% of the time, having clear containers, clear boundaries, um, that gives me permission to now, when situations come up, I can say, nope, this is the container. This is the boundary. This is what we've agreed to. Um, and it it really eliminates a lot of that friction because clear is kind. So I love that book. I highly recommend it. Um, another thing I'm taking a stand for is women voting with their dollars. Women voting with their dollars. Again, like I said earlier, I'm I'm digging into this research. I'm about to really share a lot more of this Um Women business owners in the United States make up 40% of small business, but we generate 4% of the revenue. What? What is happening? Um, this tells me as a leader, I'm not just a leader for women. I'm a leader for women supporting other women. I'm a leader for a women-driven economy. And the research on this is incredible. When women make more money, they don't go out there and show off like fancy new cars and exotic vacations. When women make more money, their kids are better cared for because they invest back into their families. When women make more money, they hire other women. When women make more money, they donate more. Um, how many of you donate to causes that you care about? Women out donate. <laughs> I don't know the right words. Women, women give more freely. And when we have more money, we have more economic power to make differences in the causes that we care about. So like this past Christmas, um, every Christmas I make a donation on behalf of the team. I make a donation on behalf of all of you. I make a donation on behalf of the, um, my family. And from the business, we donated um, over a thousand dollars to a small uh, organization here in Richmond, Virginia that trains uh, disadvantaged youth how to start their own business. So they're, they're learning, how do I start a car detail business? How do I start a housekeeping business? How do I start a lawn care business? Um, I don't know many businesses that 
donate as much as we try to, but I, every woman I talk to, they donate to something. So I'm here to create a woman driven economy. And that also means I'm checking supply chains, right? Like I can't say I'm here to empower women business owners if I'm not putting my money where my mouth is. So I hire a woman coach. I hire women copywriters. I hire women designers. Um, also, I'm really trying to pay attention now. This has become more present to me. Um, inclusiveness. So I've been proactively looking to who um, who are the women of color that I can hire. My I, I'm bringing more women of color into my supply chain, into my business, making sure that I'm hiring women of color as well. So this is so incredibly important to me. Um, and I'm making sure I'm not only looking at the people I'm hiring, whether they're on the team or freelancers, I'm looking at the businesses I'm partnering. Like anytime I'm spending a lot of money, we are looking, are they, are they a business that supports women? Um, this means looking at the software that we use every day and looking on them and seeing, okay, is, is this a women owned business or a partially women owned business? Or are there women in leadership? Um, how, how does this look? And it's not perfect because, you know, there's not a lot of women software, women owned businesses that um, are like a lot of the software we use, but there are some and I want to put my money there. So I'm, we're doing that kind of review. Another piece of this too, and I'm going to be talking about this a lot more is, you know, putting your money where your mouth is also means not encouraging, um, like trading services. I think this is something that women are also very likely to do because we want to help each other. We want to encourage each other. So we tend to give our friends and our family, um, like a friends and family discount, or we tend to cut the price down and give them the lower price point. But I don't see men doing this as much. They, they tend to just say, nope, this is what it is. Um, and I also see a lot of people who their peers would be amazing people to support them in their business, but they don't hire them. And I think that's one of the reasons I love this community. And I love seeing when I see you guys, you gals partner up and collaborate together, whether that means interviewing somebody for your podcast or hiring somebody to make your website or bringing them on to teach with you or, supporting them in some way. So support does mean, you know, how can you make those introductions? How can you help get their message out there? How can you share what they're working on? But it also means hiring people and paying what it's actually worth. So I really feel like this is one of those things where if I see a friend of mine is doing something and I want to be involved in that, I pay for it. If, if any of you all write a book, I'm buying it. Like, just know that if you write a book, you better believe I'm like the first person on Amazon buying that book because I'm here to support you. If one of you has a program that I think is really cool, I'm excited to go cheer you on if it's something that I need. And I'm also excited to share it. So I really believe in women voting with their dollars. Don't just say you're empowering women. Let's pay women. Let's pay women for the work that they're doing um, and make sure that if they're contributing in a way that's meaningful and it's something you need, you're paying for it. Okay, another thing I am standing for, and again, I said I have nine. This is a lot, but this is, as you can tell, um, I hope you guys are excited about where I'm going with this because this is what my direction is. This is, I don't know the how yet, which is very unusual for me. You all know I'm a how person. I'm a step-by-step, -step, here's what this is going to look like, but I just want to share these because it's, this is 
what the values are for me that I am building from. Um, so the next thing I am taking a stand for is stop with the guru worshiping. This makes me absolutely insane. And those of you who have followed um, me since the yogipreneur days, you've probably seen this take place in, and I've now seen it happen in different industries where there has been a guru who has become um, really put on a pedestal to the point where then later we find it comes to find out there have been massive, massive problems um, where people have been taken advantage of people have been gaslighted. People have been exploited in different ways Um, and it doesn't just happen in the yoga world. It has been happening across all the other industries I am seeing. In fact, um, there was a lot of organizations I was, or organizations, events I was going to, and people were saying, well, should I join so-and-so's mastermind? Should I join so-and-so's mastermind? And I was like, I don't know. For some reason, I just was starting to feel really bad about it. I think a lot of women right now are feeling like if only they could work with this coach, if only they could join this mastermind, if only they could get in this room, that all of their problems would be solved. But for me, I was like, you know what? I don't feel safe in those rooms. And I couldn't quite pinpoint why I didn't feel safe in those rooms until I realized and stories started coming out of huge sexual harassment issues. And that's one reason I don't go to those rooms. A lot of my peers who I talk to regularly, they say there are conferences that they don't go to because they don't want to be hit on and treated like, you know, just a dumb object. Um, And sadly, (laughs) that's what's happening. Um, There's a lot of guru worshiping right now. A lot of, oh, you have all these followers. You have the bestseller book. You're on Ellen. You're on the news. Like, we should go follow you. But it becomes this just total blind thing where people don't consider the source. They don't look at what's going on. Um, So I feel like one thing I just really want to get across to everybody in my world is you don't have to be in the cool kids club in order to be successful. Do you guys remember back in high school, there was always like the cool kids. And it was like, if you like basically the, the narrative for every teenage novel is if I could just be popular, all my problems would be solved. Well, that's not the case. But what I can tell you is you don't need to be in the cool kids club. You need to find your club. And if you don't know where it is, make it yourself, make it yourself. So for me right now, I don't care about the cool kids in the industry. Um, I'm interested in creating my own rooms. And you guys are going to hear a lot more about me talking about creating my own rooms because I know that the women I'm surrounding myself with right now are the next leaders and are the leaders that are going to start changing the game. So don't worry about the cool kids club. Don't waste time trying to go to the events or, or hire coaches just for the hope that like their popularity will rub off on you. Um, stay focused on people who you are hundred percent in alignment with and whose values are aligned with you and stay focused on that. Create your own rooms Only go into rooms where you feel safe, where you feel heard, and where you feel respected. Because there's not a room I'll go into anymore where I don't feel those three things. So don't worry about that. You and your next, your you and your biz BFFs are the next big influencers. Okay, so what else do I stand for? Um, I talked about this a bit earlier. Empower versus enable. You can be generous without 
bending over backwards. You can be generous without um, feeling like you just have to keep giving and giving and giving and giving. There will be a point where the scale starts to tip and you realize, oh, I'm out of alignment here because I'm giving and giving and giving and giving and I'm no longer empowering. I'm now enabling. So if you aren't sure what that is, again, I'm going to be talking a lot about this in Sweet Spot Strategy. In fact, I'm probably going to re-record some of module three just to talk more about clear containers because there is, I think, this belief that more is better But actually, if you dig into the research, if you look at how people interact with things, if you look at how people learn, more isn't always better. Often, it's not about, you know, dumping the the fire hose on people. It's about having a clear container. It's about having a clear process. Um, And often, editing things out, keeping things simple is what it takes to get the results that you're hoping to get for your clients. Um, So anytime I hear people are overwhelmed or people are stressed out, I'm like, Oh, we need to get a clearer container. That clear container needs to be changed. We need to edit things down and kind of along the lines for that. um, The final thing that I want to talk about is you don't have to be everybody's best friend. And I think this is something that, um, a lot of us have a hard time with. Like I said, I am an adult child of alcoholics. I am a hero child in that dynamic. Um, I am a type three on the Enneagram. I'm really good at reading a room. I'm pretty friendly and personable if you were to meet me in person. But people not liking me is a big fear, right? And I think this is something for a lot of us um, that can hold us back. And it can actually hold us back to the point why I think this is one of the reasons women are not making as much as men in business. I think the reason that we are 28% behind in revenue compared to men in the industry, the reason we're only making 4% of all the revenues compared to men-owned businesses, it has a lot to do with we don't like it when people are upset with us. And when people get upset with us, we take it personal. We make it mean something about us as a person. And we make it feel like we're a failure. And while that makes sense, you know, when you're little, you need to, you know, fit into your family for survival. When we were hunter gatherers, we needed to fit in. We needed the community because if you were cast out on your own, if someone didn't like you, you would not survive. But we have to really get okay with some people being upset with us. And in fact, I think this is probably, Tammy says, this is the biggest fear of the Enneagram three. This is probably my biggest fear. What if they don't like me? What if they get mad at me? What if I change my mind and now someone hates me? That is the worst feeling for me. It really is. It's super, super hard. So At the same time, I know that this is a rite of passage. This is part of the journey, right? And I'm sharing this because I think for other people, this might be something you're going through as well, right? Um, If you ever get that first email from somebody who's upset with you, if you ever get posts on something on your social media post where somebody comes off really nasty, um, it can be really, really hard like gut-wrenchingly hard. You 
might cry about it quite a bit. Um, I remember the first time we started running ads, somebody posted something really mean on a comment um, because it was an ad of my face. And I've had people tell me how fat I am. I've had people tell me it looks like you have um, bad lip injections. I've had people tell me all sorts of things. Um, I should get my teeth fixed. I should lose 50 pounds. Like I've had people say, and I just, now I just delete, delete, delete. But it was really like, holy shit, people are mean. Um, uh, back in 2000, I want to say it was like 2015, I started doing more videos again. And I did like a month of videos. In fact, if you've seen the Big Rocks video I have, that was from that first batch of videos. And then I had some people who emailed in and unsolicited gave me advice um, or criticism about the way I looked. And I was like, nope, I'm done. I'm not doing any more videos. I'm not having people tell me I look fat, I look tired, blah, blah, blah. At the time I had like an 18 month old. So I'm, I'm just sharing all this because this is part of the journey. And now on the other side of it, I realized that building that kind of thick skin is part of the process. And it's probably for me the hardest part of the process because I feel things super deeply. But I've had to learn that one, I'm not everyone's cup of tea and that's fine. Like I'm okay with if someone doesn't like me now, I'm just like, okay, cool. Good luck. Um, if someone gets upset because I change, um, we changed the dates that we were doing the uncomplicate your business show. We actually had somebody send in like a really scathing email, like how we ruined her whole schedule because we changed the way we were doing it. And I was like, it's a free show. <laughs> what in the world? But we just blocked her. Um, and so these are some of the things that the people pleasing, the wor worry that someone's not going to like it, the worry that if you have to change something for yourself or you have to change something for your business or your family, that someone's not going to like it. Out of 100 people, there might be one that does not like it. But you still get to show up and serve those 99. And that's the difference between... For me, if I'm going after impact, I know that somewhere seeing an Instagram ad of me talking about a, a show that I just did or talking about a masterclass I have, there is also a 30-something woman who's a size 12, 14, who wants to make an impact in the world and needs to know how do I get my business to work for me so that I can make that impact. Somewhere someone needs to see me. It just happened to not be the mean person who talked about the size of my lips. So I hope that's helpful for you guys um, to hear about the things I'm taking a stand for. The things I'm taking a stand for are now what are going to guide where we go next, who we're here to serve, how we lead. And what's interesting is, um, you know, that whole dream client process that we go through in Sweet Spot Strategy, it is something that now I have more clarity on who that dream client is because everything, everything that I just shared about what we're taking a stand for is directly tied in to the type of person I want to attract, right? I want people to hear these messages and want to be like, yes, that is who I want to work with. That is the community I want to join. I want to join people who are here to lead. I want to join people who are to make an impact. I want to join people who are ready to empower other people and vote with their dollars and hire more women and women-owned businesses. 
So I want everyone, and I, I have even more <laughs> that I wrote down because I have been processing so much. But I hope these lessons learned are interesting for you and helpful for you. Um, this has been a journey, and it's still a journey. But I am here for each and every one of you. I want to see more women-owned businesses take that leap into not just being predictably profitable. You know, it's not about five figures, six figures, seven figures. It's about, I want to see you make the impact you want to make. And if that impact you want to make means you want to change the lives of five people this year or 10 people this year, and you're going to, you know, really design a business that helps you do that. I am here for that. If you want to change, you know, the way people are raising their kids and you want to get that message out to as many parents as possible, I am here for that. If you want to see 5,000 women start putting themselves on their to-do list, like we are all here for it. So the, the way you make that impact is up to you. The size of your business is up to you. Like it's not my business at all um, how big or small you decide that revenue level to be. But I want everyone to own it 100% and know that you might outgrow that pot down the road. I feel like I've, I've shared this metaphor before. Um, I feel like the year that Mitchell went to preschool and we started transitioning from having babies, raising babies and toddlers to now all of our kids are in school. I felt like, you know, I got moved from a little five gallon pot to a 25 gallon pot. And now I'm kind of swimming around figuring out, well, what do I put in this thing? How does this look now? Um, and it has been a process and it's been a lot of asking myself questions like this. So here are the, are the questions that you guys can ask. And I'd love you to continue commenting um, and let me know what you think. But the first question, what do you stand for? What is the space you are in? Okay, what is the space you are in and what do you stand for? Um, start with like five things you stand for. So the space I am in, women's leadership for women entrepreneurs. Women's leadership for women entrepreneurs. So yes, I can do the marketing. Yes, I can teach sales. Yes, I can talk about um, how to put your offer together. And all of those things are incredibly valuable. But honestly, that is my area of excellence my area of genius that I am trying to get into. I am pushing through. I'm like the little baby duck trying to like peck through the shell right now is women's leadership is women standing for what they believe in. So that's my space. What do you stand for? Like come up with five things and you know, this doesn't have to share right now, but I literally wrote it in my notes app. Um, what do you stand for? What are you no longer available for? What are you not putting up with anymore? What are you saying no to? What is a hard boundary? Um, I think this is really important for all of us to know. Like, what is like, nope, we don't deal with this here. Um, I can share one of the things I don't have tolerance for any anymore is people projecting drama, fear, frustration um, in a way that is nasty to me or my team. I have like a zero tolerance policy for people who are not kind to my team. And I'm amazed how some people will talk with me just fine, like on Instagram or on email. But if they get in Lane's inbox, they will be assholes. I have like a zero, that woman makes sure that I can take care of my family. Like I, I trust her with my life. 
Um, so I have like a zero tolerance policy for that, right? Um, I have a zero tolerance policy for constant excuses. Like I understand things come up, but if I'm going to take 100% responsibility 100% of the time, I expect you know the people that I'm with to take 100% responsibility 100% of the time. So I I hope you guys answer that. I have a lot more in there, but you know we're already almost at an hour. Um, so what do you stand for? What are you no longer tolerating? What does impact mean to you? What does impact mean to you? So we spend so much time talking about what level income you want to make, what revenue goal you have. And again, that gets you, that gets you in business, right? That makes sure that you can pay your bills. That's fine. But we need to also ask about what does impact look like to you? What does impact mean to you? Um, I have been writing down, I have been writing down again, coming back to my thing. Um, I reach 1 million women with my message. I reach 1 million women with my message. Now that doesn't necessarily mean paid clients, by the way, that just, for me, that metric, when I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about my audience. I'm thinking about big picture community, how many people out there are just hearing from me. So that's something I, that is probably a five-year goal right? Like that's probably maybe even more. I don't know. I'm kind of unattached to the timeline, but I see that there are millions of women business owners. Like I think it's somewhere around a hundred million women business owners right now. I just want to reach a million of them with my message. So how, um, what does that impact mean to you? Um, and then finally, what are you really best at? What is your zone of genius? Um, this is something that, again, we talk about this in Sweet Spot Strategy, you guys, and I'm still coming back to it. And one of the things I've been learning a lot about right now is human design, the Colby um, thing. And for me, it keeps coming back to process and systems and frameworks. There are other people who are best at connection. There are other people who are best at coaching. There are other people who are best at like hyping people up and getting them motivated. But what I'm best at is process. So how can I stay in that lane and and make sure I'm focused on that? So I I encourage you guys to ask those questions. Um, I think that would be really, really powerful for everybody. And these are ones, again, like we've probably all asked these questions at some point on this journey. Um, But what I'm finding is it's helping me get so much clarity on where I ultimately want to go and how I want to lead and how I want to show up for each and every one of you, for the other women in the, in sweet spot strategy or in my, in my programs or who've hired me in different capacities. Um, I'm here to lead. And that means I've got to lead myself and really be willing to answer some of these hard, hard questions. Okay, my dears, I hope this was helpful. I'm loving hearing from you. I love hearing your lessons learned. I'm going to give everybody a challenge. I'm going to give everybody a challenge. If you're listening to this, I want you to answer the question again, what do you stand for? And give five things. What do you stand for? What does that mean to you? We are in such an interesting new world right now where more and more people are coming out into our spaces, right? More and more people are um, launching businesses. It's like 1,600 women launch a business every single day in the United States of America. 
How are you going to stand out? You're going to tell people what you stand for. You're not going to blend in and just be plain old vanilla. Like it's time to show up and really tell people what matters to you um, and, and watch them get excited about it. So I'd love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for letting me share. And the beautiful thing is right now I'm like, I'm, I'm fiercely protecting my boundaries and my time and energy, but I'm also getting excited because I have more things that I'm going to be rolling out for, for everybody. If you take away anything from today's episode, I really hope it's the question, what do you stand for? This question really has helped me to kind of light a fire under my ass and get more excited about what I truly want to share with my community, what I truly want to stand for, for my community. I think for a lot of us, when we get a little too comfortable, a little too lazy, we start to kind of dampen our message. We start to just hold back from the things we really want to say. And this is something that over the last six months or so of going through this kind of intensive leadership coaching, I've really come to understand that when I hold back and I only say what's on my mind in the small rooms of my online mastermind or of the CEO retreat or working with people one-on-one, I'm really not helping everyone have this dialogue, have this conversation. I don't want to have these conversations just in closed rooms anymore. I want to have these types of conversations out in the world. And we're starting right here with the Promote Yourself to CEO show. Hopefully this gave you some more insight into why the name change and the direction that we're going. But I would love to hear from you. And I'm going to challenge you today to do the exercise, what do you stand for? What do you stand for? There's no limit to how many things you can put down there, but just give yourself the space to really, really think through that. I actually find that I do my best kind of brainstorming on this when I'm out on my morning walk and I have my notes app up on my iPhone and I will literally walk and take notes on my notes app. And that's how I came up with these things that I stand for. I get so much clarity that way. Maybe you get a lot of clarity by getting on a call with a business BFF or having lunch with somebody. But this has given me so much clarity and perspective and has really gotten me excited about what's next. And I hope you are too. So if you want to check out the latest episodes and show notes, make sure you head over to rachelcook.com slash show to get all of those updates. And if you enjoyed today's show, again, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. I'd love to hear your biggest ahas and insights from today's episodes. And I will be featuring more listener shout outs in upcoming episodes. Now, in the next episode coming out on Thursday, we will be diving into what does it mean to be the CEO of your business? It's not just an arbitrary title. It is an actual job that you have to perform as the owner of your business unless you're going to outsource the role. And most of us aren't there yet. So I'm going to share with you how I created my own job description for my role of CEO and how that is helping me stay laser focused on how I add the most value to my business. And it's also helping me get out of my own way, stop being the bottleneck in my business so that my team can really step in and support me. 
It's all about staying in your zone of genius, right? So if you don't want to miss it or any future episodes, make sure you subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk soon.